Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Hey, thanks for being here today. Uh, You could have been anywhere else, but you chose here, and we are in the midst. Actually, week five of our series, uh, talking about grace, grace so free. And if there's ever been a time in my life, um, as I've getting a little, you know, just even as older, I need more grace now than I ever needed before. It's just, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And so um, just, just for the record, so we can get everybody on the same sheet of music, we've de- uh, kind of defined grace several different ways. But just today, if we just get this one, we've been talking about this, I can give you a theological definition of it. And we all just let it roll off because we don't understand all the words that they use sometimes. But it's this, right in the middle of our story, God stopped our story and rewrote our story, and that's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. I explained it like this. It's a coin, right? And on either side of the coin, there's grace and mercy, and that coin is love. And the Bible says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one one and only son that none will perish. That's what grace is. Grace and mercy combined together is what God offers us, and so it's interesting. Today, I'm going to talk about that transformational. Hey, anybody in this room, we just sang a song. I love singing songs like this, but anybody witness God move in your life or somebody else's life. If you have, put your hands together like that. If you've seen God move. I grew up uh, in the 80s. I became a believer in like 82, 83, and it was at the tail end of what was called and known as the Jesus movement. Some of you probably went and saw the movie, The Jesus Movement. It was like somebody asked me, Bobby, did you go see it? And I said, no, I lived it. I was in it. Like that was my time period, you know, long hair, weird looking people coming out of the hippie movement. That's, that's like, that was my mom. That was my dad. And so I didn't want to go see a movie that reminded me of my past. You know what I mean? And so, but you know one of the things that I loved about that, that whole time frame? We would have in church what we would call testimony night. Now, some of you know what that is. If you grew up in a church, maybe you would have testimony and somebody would stand up and they would share their story, that transformational grace, how it changed them from the inside out. And, And it's interesting because some of those stories were so pivotal in my belief system and my value system and my convictions to lead me to where I'm at today. Uh, I remember one of the one of the stories, and it, it was like, you know, it was one of those nights, and this, this older lady gets up. She was like a grandmom to everybody in the church, and I was probably at this time maybe 18 or 19 years old, and we were sitting with our friends, and that's what youth groups did. We would all sit together, and directly following that, we would all get ice cream together, get in trouble together. We would do something together. And so we're sitting there, and this old grandmama gets up there, and, and she gets up there, and she starts telling telling about all the sins that she committed. And like, I was thinking to myself, like, I'm looking, like, she couldn't, like, and she goes, I used to be a drug addict and God saved me from drug addiction. I'm like, shut up. And then she goes on, she's the longest. And then she gets to the last one and, and she goes, this is exactly what she said. She goes, and God delivered me from prostitution. And we all went, <laughs> right? And then the next line, I didn't do any of those things but God delivered me from all of them. And I went, oh my gosh, that's grace. Grace isn't just God forgiving us from the things we've done. It's allowing us not to do the things that we shouldn't be doing at times in our our lives. Um, Some of you know I'm a recovering youth pastor. And so um, one of, or a lot of my stories are from students. And we had a, um, back in the 90s, I don't know if y'all remember this, the Columbine shooting. So the Columbine shooting was big. And then right after the Columbine shooting, we had something happen at Heritage in Conyers. And it was another shooting there. And our church, the church Stevens Creek that we were at, uh, we had a ministry called Power Surge. And I was a youth pastor. It was a really cool 80s name. Don't make fun of it. It's called Power Surge. It was awesome. 
But one of the things that God just showed our, our church favor and God showed our student ministry favor. And so I got asked to be on a couple boards, but that also made us susceptible. We had all kinds of kids coming through our group and we had kids with long hairs and earrings. And, but we had a kid that was part of the, you probably remember this, trench coat mafia. And um, if, you, if you're not familiar with this, you've probably seen or heard of a guy named Marilyn Manson. He was all dressed in black and he would paint his face. Well, we had several kids that would come. Our student ministry was one kid named Rick. And I remember Rick coming week after week after week, and he would laugh at all the kids that would raise their hands. I used to lead worship in that group and uh, for that for student ministry, and, and they would make fun of us and all that kind of stuff. But slowly but surely, he kept coming. And then I remember one night he walked up to me and said, okay, I, I want to know about this transformational grace that you keep talking about, how God can change my life because I hate my life the way it is right now. And I found out, I just it's interesting, he just, he just called me a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me what he was doing. And he's actually in another city, and he's, he's a counselor um, to uh, kids that don't have enough money to go to counseling. And you know what I was thinking about this the whole time? I was thinking about we had 20 or 30 or 40 leaders that totally invest their lives in student ministry. And if it wasn't for them, and like I get to be, like I get, to, I get to, like, wow, that's so cool moment. Um, and I was thinking about this, Jen. Like we have kids like that in our student ministry too. And maybe today, just maybe today, God's tapping you on the shoulder. We talk about next steps. Maybe a next step for a lot of us in this room is to become student ministry leaders. And there's probably eight or 10, 12 empty spots. And there's kids like Rick, and I can, I can list kids like Nick. There, I mean, you go right on down the list of these kids that if it wasn't for influential leaders, they would never have a testimony of transformational grace. And so maybe you'd like to know about it. How can they, can they just go to the wall? The, the wall. I always said the wooden wall afterwards. Just go to the wooden wall. Jen will be there. One of the leaders, Sarah, one of the worship leaders will be there. She'll talk if you're interested in that. I, I remember these stories. I remember another kid, a guy named Mike. Um, this is just a guy that went to, went to our church when we first started here. And Mike was a drug addict. And he started going to, um, about 10 years ago, started going to CR, Celebrate Recovery. And now all of a sudden, he's a... He's, he's delivered from all that, and he's actually in uh, Philadelphia, and he runs an inner city ministry to kids that are addicted to cocaine and heroin and crack. And he's, it's because of transformational grace. Maybe you remember, like, there's, there's lots of big public ones, too. Like, I read a book a few years ago by Chuck Colson. It was called The Body. And he tells a story about a guy named Rusty Walmer. And there's a whole message. You can go online and you can pull that up and see it. But Rusty Walmer was a convicted killer of four. He shot in Columbia, South Carolina. He shot four guys in a holdup of a, uh, you know, like a corner store. And in that, he got, gets convicted and he's in jail. He's death row inmate. He's just a mess. His life is a disaster. And there's a guy named Bob McAllister who keeps walking in and out. He's the warden at the, at the Columbia County Federal Penitentiary. And he's, he's walking in and out. He keeps walking past Rusty's. He sell and he just knows it's nasty. It's filled with just, it's all like, you know, just nastiness and like his, his, his food all over the place. There's pornography all over the place. It's, it's just a disaster. And he doesn't know what to say. What do you say in a moment like that? And he just kind of grabs the cell and he just goes, I'm telling you, Rusty, if you give your life over to Jesus, he'll change all of this. And he walked away because he had said that to hundreds of other inmates at the time. And the next weekend he comes, or the next week he comes back on Monday and he walks past and he sees this jail cell and he just keeps on walking because he's asking where Rusty is. And he asks the warden, he goes, where's Rusty at? And he goes, he's right in his cell. So he walks back and he looks and it's perfectly clean. Rusty's showered and shaved and he's reading his Bible and all this other stuff. And what do you say? Like when there's that kind of transformation and Bob McAllister looks at him and said, what well, it took you all weekend long to clean up your jail cell. Jesus did in your heart that fast. That's transformational grace. 
And that's what we're talking about. And that's what this whole series is about. And here's the real truth of it. The real transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he can take a hard heart and turn it into something he can use. He takes hard hearts like ours. All of our hearts were hard before knowing Jesus. Whether you like it or not, we all had a hard heart. But he takes, what he does is he makes it pliable and moldable and he shapes us into something that we, every one of us in this room has a transformational grace story. We have witnessed it. That song, when we're singing that song, I'm shouting, but at the same time I'm shouting, the moments in my life where I've seen God move are, are just kind of going through my mind where I've seen him heal me of cancer. I've seen, he healed my, you know, my child of something. He, he healed my wife of something. He healed my dad of something. I'm going through it over and over again because that's the way transformational grace works. It gives us a story to tell. I, I love the way the book of Ezekiel says it. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26, he said, I will give you, listen to this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my, regula my regulations. Let me, let me tell you something, I've learned this. I've learned that transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ changes everyone. There's nobody that's inter leaned in or intercepted the Holy Spirit that God has not changed their life. And I used to think, I don't know about you, I used to think it was only the big sins that he would take care of. The murder and the, 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 the drug addiction and all those things. And, and we love those stories, right? We love those stories about how God transformed somebody's life that was like living skid row. But you know what I found out? After being a believer... God takes care of the small ones too. As a matter of fact, what the Holy Spirit does is he starts to convict you of the small ones. And here's what I've learned. The big ones are actually easier than the small ones. It's easy to stop smoking. It's easy to stop drinking. It's easy to stop murdering. I would encourage everybody not to do those. But how hard is it not to be jealous of somebody that has something that you don't have or envious or a root of bitterness or anger or resentment? Those things are hard. Now, I'm, I'm going to be as honest as I'm going to be. When I was 17, I, didn't, I don't have a story. I don't have a story like so many of these kids that walk through the, do the doors. I, I, I was not a drug addict. I, I didn't have, you know, you know like, like a lot of problems, like maybe some of the, And I'm not bragging on it. It's just that I was, I was okay. But you know what I found out? I really wasn't okay. I, I really wasn't because after I asked Christ to be my Savior... He wanted to deal with some of the other stuff in my life. The pride, the ego of being an athlete, you know, the, the looking down at others. And that's how he works. And the big picture, the big thing that I've understood is, is it's not the big or the small. It's all the things in our lives he wants to take care of. It's everything that we deal with. And here's a problem that I see in our society. We won't even admit that we've done something wrong to get the transformational grace that God wants to give us. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 5, Jesus is talking to religious leaders. He's talking to people that go to church on Sunday. They're in Sunday school. They probably tithe. They probably serve someone in their church. And this is what he says to them. Jesus answered them, them, those religious people, the people that think they're better than everybody else. He says healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. 
Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know the sin, they're, they're sinners and need to repent. Over and over again, Jesus had this conflict, this, this tension with religious people. When they were about to stone the woman, the tension was, if you think you are better than her and you're without sin, go ahead and throw the stone. Constantly, over and over again. And today, maybe on this campus, maybe online, maybe watching down at our Sherwood campus, maybe over in the atrium, there's some of us in this room that feel the same way. Like, I have not done anything that bad. I'm not sick. I don't need a doctor. And those are the things that God today, I believe, wants to transform and move us out of those moments right there so he can do something special in our lives. And what I'd like to do today is I would like to look at one of those extreme stories again, and it's found in the Bible. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 19. And some of you have probably read it before if you've ever been to Sunday school. But for the sake of everybody else that has not heard this story, let me tell it. Let me read it. And let's look at some truths through this person that was notorious in their community that God thought enough of that he wanted to offer transformational grace to even this person. It's found in Luke chapter 19. I want to say this one statement and we'll read it. God's transformational grace hasn't given up on you, even if everybody else has. How many people know that to be true? That God has not given up on you, regardless of how far you walked away. That God is still in the business of drawing people into him. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Who's heard of him? We'll sing the song in a minute together. He was the chief tax collector in the region and became very rich. He tried to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down. He said, I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be a guest of the notorious sinner, they grumbled. Verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I've cheated people in their taxes, I will give them uh, four times as much back. Jesus responded, salvation has come to your home today. For this man has shown himself to be true, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost who are, or seek and save the lost. Now, I want to say something real quick, and I'm going to give us you some background, give us some background on this. This story is not about Zacchaeus. This story is about Jesus. He's the famous one of every story in the Bible, and it's about how he still seeks and saves the lost, how he still comes after people like you and people like me. But for the story, we need to know who he was. He was... He wasn't a popular person. As a matter of fact, when it says the chief of tax collectors, that's really important. He was the boss of the bosses. And one of the things he did, he would skim off of everybody. So the ones he was getting taxes taken from or they were moving, he would take a little bit more of theirs. He would take a little bit more of theirs, a little bit more of theirs. That's why nobody liked him. Tax collectors had a reputation of bullying and extorting people. I was trying to think who he would be like today, and there's really nobody in our society that's like that. When he heard, y'all can raise your own conclusions of that. When he heard that Jesus was passing by through the city, he went out to see him, but he couldn't because Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. So some of you went to vacation Bible school. Here's the deal. He wasn't just small in stature. He was small in character too. 
And that's more important. And so when he, when he heard about this, he ran ahead and he climbed the sycamore tree and then Jesus was there and he invited himself. That's what's pretty interesting to me. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Just for push pause for a second, how would you respond if Jesus invited himself to your house today? Hold on a second, Jesus got to clean it up first. <laughs> right? Right? It's a mess. Or, or, hold on. Let me see if Publix has got some fried chicken, because that's what good Southerners do when we have guests over, right? Some fried chicken. How would you handle that? And then the crowd began to murmur, and this is really what's important. They started saying, how dare you, Jesus, have a notorious person like Zacchaeus in your house? Now, here's what I want everybody to get today. When Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he didn't look at what he was today. He was looking at what he could be. He didn't see Zacchaeus as the tax collector. He saw him as a saint that was going to have impact in the world around him. The crowd, though, had decided already that Zacchaeus was beyond redemption. It was too far gone. They had given up on him, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't give up on him. Jesus saw something that only Jesus could see in that moment with Zacchaeus' life. He didn't see Zacchaeus as the person that was, that was a corrupt criminal. He saw him as a person that was going to change the world that he was living in. But I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like somebody's given up on you? Or maybe it's a lot of people have given up on you. Maybe in certain respects you feel like maybe mom and dad have given up on you. Or maybe your kids have given up. Maybe your spouse has given up on you. Maybe you feel at some point that even the church has given up on you. I have felt that way before. Maybe the rest of the crowd in your life is capable of only seeing your failures and your faults. But that's not what Jesus sees. Maybe they've given up on you, but Jesus hasn't. Maybe you've given up on yourself. He isn't given up on you. Even if no one else sees your potential, can I say this? Even if no one else sees your potential, Jesus sees your potential. You still have great value to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. And when we did the series Work in Progress, we read this every week. And I've been reading this every day since that series because I needed to hear this truth. And the truth is this. It says, this means that if anyone who belongs to Christ, he's become a new person. The old life is gone and the new has become. That's what Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus. He was saying, you are not that tax collector. You're not the person that was extorting. You're not the thief anymore. You're not somebody I want to use and I value. Can, can, I, can I tell you something? And some of you need to hear this today. And I'm going to say it in, 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 in the way I feel about myself. I am not... I am not what I need to be today. Y'all hear me on this? I, I, I am not, I have not attained everything that I think God has for me. I'm not, like, there's things that I do that are embarrassing. They're embarrassing to my family. They're embarrassing to myself. I say things that, you ever say anything, you just scratch your head and you go, where the crap did that, like, crap. Where did that come from? Right? You, am I the only one? I know I'm going to get an email. I, I love you too. But you just scratch your head and go, like, is really that in my heart? Is it that deep in my heart that I, that I said that thing about that person? But I'm going to tell you something. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. Do you hear me? I am not who I used to be. If you would have saw the 30-year-old, you know, the 25-year-old, the 17-year-old Bobby, I am nothing like what I am right now. And I'm glad for that. And here's the really cool thing. I'm not even close to what I'm going to be. Like on this side of eternity, God still has, 
God still has great plans for me. A few years ago, I was sitting on my back porch, and it was wintertime, and it was cold. It was cold for Georgia. It was like 60. It almost snowed that day somewhere in the world. But I was sitting there, and I was looking out at the trees, and there was no leaves on the trees. You ever look at the trees? And I said, God, are you done with this? Because like, I'm very deep and cerebral. Does this mean you're done with me, God? And he goes, no, spring's coming. Idiot. <laughs> it's just wintertime. There's no leaves on the trees. Can I say something to you guys? You are not even close to what you're going to be exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or imagine. That's what God has in store for you. John 10, 10, I have come, you insert your name. I have come to give you life and give you life to the fullest, this side and the other side of eternity. That's what God has planned. You know what else? God's transformational grace is available right where you are, right now. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to fill out a card. You don't have to be at a revival. You don't have to be listening to elevation worship. You don't have to do, just right where you're at, in the middle of your every day, as you come and go, the scripture we read last week, as you're coming and going, God is right there in your midst. I love that he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name Zacchaeus. He said, come quick, come down right now. He said, I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. Now stop right there. When I first read this, how many people grew up in church? Grew up in church. I'll go, a lot of y'all. So you've probably been to a church like this. It probably, it's probably, you know, some, you heard somebody talk about this, where the preacher gets up there and makes you feel guilty. Everybody just rolled their eyes, like, yep. And I, I went to a church one time, and it was a, um, it was a church. And the preacher was like, if you walk out of here today and you don't know who, who Jesus is and you get hit by a car and you, you know, and you know, you're going to probably go to hell. And I'm like, is Jesus that small that he can't stop the car? He knows that I'm not saved yet, but I was in church and I'm seeking after, I'm trying to figure this Jesus thing out. Does it like, come on. This is not what, this is not what Jesus is doing here. Because at first it seems like he's being a little bit like, come on, bait and switch. Like, come on, you got to do it right now. Like, if you don't do it right now, you don't know me. You're going to, you know, you're never going to get another chance. No. Jesus is saying, I want you to take a next step. Your first step was climbing the sycamore tree. Your next one is invite me into your house. Your next one after that is invite me into your heart. That's what Jesus is saying right there. And we can do that. Right now, right in this moment, we don't have to have a special creative moment. Some people laugh at me when I say, you know, we're not going to take you to a secret room. We don't have any more rooms in this church. What you see is what you get. We're not going to, I don't have a card that you can fill out. You can fill out the little thing and say, I asked Jesus to be your savior. And then we'll get, but we don't have, we don't have that, right, Tina? Right? We, we, we don't have that special, this is the only prayer that you can pray, like ever. Like this is the magic prayer. There's no magic. You know what? You know how I got saved? Jesus, save me. That was my prayer. I, here's the deal. I don't, I, when people go, tell me the date you were saved. I can't even tell you the date. I, I guess I'm saved. Like I've been thinking for 30 something years, I've been telling people about Jesus. I hope I've gotten a little bit of Jesus. It's not about a date. It's not about a card. It's not about Meemaw's church. 
It's about bound a need to Jesus Christ at that cross and say, I need you above all else to be number one in my life. Verse 9 says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home when? Today. Right where he was at. And the man has shown himself to be true son of Abraham. See, here's, here's what I've learned. Your change, my change, whatever it looks like, can begin today. Right now. Right where we're at. I don't do this often. I usually do it at the end of service, but I'll do it right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or if you're watching online or you're over in the atrium, maybe you're down at Sherwood and you don't know Jesus, I will not, I will not be hurt if you shut your eyes right now, as long as you're not sleeping, and have a conversation with Jesus. It's not going to hurt my feelings if you start talking. That's kind of what we're here for. And just say, God, I need you right now in my life. I can't make it another day. That's if you don't know Jesus. Maybe you think, because you do know Jesus, I'm going to let you off the hook. Nay, nay. Because I have and know people that for 10 and 15 and 20 years have allowed the same sin to enter their lives over and over and over again. And you know what? We need transform transformational grace in our lives there too. I don't know what you walked in this place with. Everybody's got their, that nagging habit, that, that, that addiction that, that would just can't be broken, that thing, that, that laziness, that jealousy, that anger, that resentment, that church hurt, whatever it is. You can be saved and still sin. You know that, right? And we still need Jesus. That's why it's called sanctification. Because I was, I was saved and sanctified way back in. I don't know the date. Way back here. But I was also that when I woke up this morning. And tomorrow I'm going to need the same exact thing in my life because I'm going to sin again. The Bible says for all, are you guys all? I'm all. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I mean to move to the next thing. God's, transform, God's transform, woo, transformational grace causes noticeable life change. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus and remain the same. He opens your eyes. You see the sin for what it's worth. He heals you. He touches you. Something has to happen when you have an encounter with Jesus. Somebody needs to say amen to that. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus and remain to be the same person that you were the day before or the day before that. Meanwhile, thank you. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to the home today, this home today, for this man has shown himself to be true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now I'm going to throw out a statement here because this is really important. Zacchaeus wasn't saved because he gave his money. Zacchaeus wasn't saved because he gave his money back to the poor. He gave his money back to the poor. He gave his money because he was saved. There's a whole different thing right there. It wasn't guilt and here, I, this is my penance. This is because, he said, because what you did in my life, I feel the, the responsibility to give, to pour out. I mean, that's what scripture says. One of our favorite passages around here is Ephesians chapter two. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for that. Somebody say amen to that. We don't deserve it. This is the whole series. It's grace. It's a gift from God. Verse 9, though, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he's planned for us long ago. James chapter 2 says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. When we have faith, we have to demonstrate our faith. When we have faith, we have to show our faith. When we have faith, we have to do something with our faith. What are you doing? That's what Zacchaeus was doing. We're not saved. I get it. We're not saved by our good works. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved by grace. And in spite of your sin, he still saved you. In spite of my sin. And all he has is, is receive it. Do it. But then there's a responsibility that we have. To be the hands and feet of Jesus. We say it all the time. To make Jesus' name famous in the world that we live in. That's what he's called us to do. See, I want you to notice something real quick. What was the thing that Zacchaeus was dealing with right there? Money. The very thing he had a problem with, he was going to turn around. So I'm going to ask you a question. What's the thing? What's the thing? Addiction, relationship, pornography, alcohol, cheating, attitude. Everybody has the thing. Can, can I say that? Everybody in this room has the thing. And there's no degrees of thing. They're all, in God's eyes, things. So what are you going to do with it? Zacchaeus, it was money. He was, a, he was a thief. He stole from people. So he said, this is the way I'm going to show back. This is the way I'm going to demonstrate to God. But what, what, what's yours look like? Let me give you the last thing. Maybe the most important part of this. God's transformational grace is also a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Grace is received overnight. Amen? Grace is received. As soon as we need grace, he gives it to us. But total transformation is a process. It takes months and months and maybe years. Um, anybody know what a lobster is? Anybody ever ate a lobster? I will never eat them again. I watched the show, like on the History Channel or something, right? And, you know, I was actually, somebody sent me a, 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 a kind of an illustration about, but I, I decided, let me watch it for myself. Do you know in five years, a lobster molts its, its shell 25 different times? How many people have ever had children? They come out looking like lizards, right? <laughs> Yours didn't? And, and then after a couple days, they're pretty to you. Y'all are going to use that later, aren't you? <laughs> That's going to be a tweet. Pastor Bobby said, they're pretty to you. No, they, 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 five, in five years, 25 times they shed. And they look like, like they're just like nasty looking. And then every year after that, they shed one more time. And you know what happens every time? They shed, they get a little bit stronger. They shed, they get a little bit stronger. They shed, they get a little bit stronger. And then there's the moment where we eat them. right? But you know what? That's our faith. We shed, we shed the hard exterior, right? And then there's nakedness and ugliness that comes out for a while. 
And then we cover it back up and we shed it and we cover it back up, we shed it, we cover it back up, we shed it. And eventually, the process is complete when we walk into heaven and we get to hear. Well done. Good and faith or lobster. See, I watched and listened and looked over and over again this week, and I, I saw something in a story I've never seen before. Zacchaeus was in a process. At first, when he met Jesus, he was a sinner. And a really good one, by the way. But then, all of a sudden, Zacchaeus became a seeker. He was trying to seek after God. He didn't know what Jesus was going to do or what he could do, but he was, man, he had heard the stories and maybe, just maybe. And then he became an observer. He's up in the tree looking, watching what Jesus is doing. I'm assuming that Jesus is healing people and talking to people. And then all of a sudden, he becomes a participant. He says, come to my house. And then he becomes a disciple. And his life has changed. I'm going to do something real quick. I want you just to bow your heads and shut your eyes. I don't know where you're at in your process. And one of the things I love about our church, our faith community, is we respect everybody wherever they're at in their process. Because in this church, in this room, watching online, over in the atrium, down at Sherwood, there is sinners. There's people that are far from God right now. And I want to say this. Thanks for being here today. You're in a safe place. You don't have to put on any, any airs. You don't have to put on any facades. You don't have to put any masks on. You could... But my prayer would be at some point you would go from being a sinner to a seeker. And maybe today's that day. Maybe today there was something in a song, there was something in a, a scripture that came to life or maybe something I said today that... And maybe there's some seekers in this room who are going, you know something? I've been seeking for a, lo- a while. I'm ready to be an observer. I want to I find out a little bit more about this. I want to... I want to just look at the car. I'm going to kick the tires a little bit. I'm going to get in the seat. I want to, I want to see that what this Christianity thing's all about. And maybe some of us in this room have been observers for a while, and it's time for us to be participants. You need to figure out what that next step is. What does it look like? You need to invite Jesus not into your just into your house, but you have to invite Jesus into your heart, and then you got to ask Him what He wants you to, what He wants you to do with your life. Maybe today, understanding grace in a brand new way has made you want to be more of a follower. To relinquish some of those things from your past. And the end result for all of us is that we would become fully devoted disciples. Reproducing after ourselves and making Jesus' name famous in the world we live in. Heavenly Father, there's so many different people in this room right now. It'd be absolutely ridiculous to try to blanket everyone into one stereotype or one mold. And so God, I pray whatever you need to do in our lives, you would do it, that we would have open conversations, 
but most of all, God, that as a faith community and a church, we would be open to whatever you want to have happen in this place. That your Holy Spirit would flood through every, every aisle and every chair and every nook and cranny of this place. That we would submit to you as number one. That we would take stories like Zacchaeus and not just look at him as a cute story, but look at him as a discipleship model of what you're trying to call the modern church too. From sinner to saint. God, thank you for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.